Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. Parents have the right to informed consent if the state wants to keep their children's blood for decades. We've got that too late for Halloween story, plus killing grandma's debit card. But first, Goldman Sachs enters geopolitical advice business. That's the simple headline from our archived Financial Times article, Goldman Sachs enters geopolitical advice business. Goldman Sachs is setting up an institute to analyze geopolitics and technology, the latest firm to bet on demand from companies for advice on how to navigate a disorderly world. The Goldman Sachs Global Institute will initially be focused on geopolitical tensions and disruption from the rise of artificial intelligence. It will be led by two Goldman partners, George C. Lee. I had to look up his middle name. It's Cabot. George Cabot Lee and Jared Cohen. The two men also co-lead the Investment Bank's Office of Applied Innovation, which was established last year to spot commercial opportunities related to shifts in technology and the geopolitical landscape. The goal here isn't to create another think tank, Cohen told the Financial Times. The goal here is to create a machinery that leverages the firm's expertise, connects it with outside expertise, and combines those things into useful, actionable, and commercial insights for our clients. After Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine caught out a number of businesses unprepared for the fallout. Companies around the world are taking steps to boost their geopolitical expertise. But Goldman is entering an already crowded field. Clients are all asking the same exact questions, and those questions are persistent, said Cohen, who joined Goldman last year from Google, who is also Goldman President of Global Affairs. What that tells me is they're not getting the answers they want that help them commercially navigate this. Dealers should always give you your first taste for free, as Goldman will not be charging clients for access to the Institute, which will offer a mix of written analysis and convening events and discussions. Cohen described the goal as Goldman engaging with his clients around geopolitics and technology and getting smarter on these issues that we're both grappling with. The bank has already piloted tabletop simulations, which examine the impact of a range of hypothetical situations, including the impact of tensions in the Taiwan Strait on the semiconductor industry and the challenges associated with bringing the war in Ukraine to a ceasefire. Before joining... Goldman, Cohen led Jigsaw, a research and development unit at Google's parent, Alphabet Incorporated, and was previously a member of the U.S. Secretary of State's policy planning staff under not only Condoleezza Rice, but also Hillary Clinton. He is, of course, according to his Wikipedia page, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and Robert De Niro's Tribeca Film Festival. Last October, Cohen met with Ukrainian president and former sketch comedian Volodymyr Zelensky, and he said his role running public affairs at Goldman means he's communicating with world leaders on a daily basis. And so it goes, James. I think throughout the two-party illusion back here in the States, when I hear Goldman, I really first think of Obama. And of course, it's not just Obama. It's the people from government Sachs. Paulson and Cash Carey and others carried the bag for the Bush administration. Goldman Sachs was top Obama donor. Trump continues White House's Goldman Sachs revolving door tradition. And finally, Goldman Sachs vets quietly added to Biden transition. Basically, multinational commercial gangs need a heads up on unrest so they can pull their slave-made widgets from Russia or whatever next bad place ahead of time to avoid getting bad PR on the ghetto social media platforms. Is, is that too reductive, James? Uh, no, not really. I think, uh, what's the old adage? If the service is free, you're the product. So I think Goldman Sachs is probably taking advantage of their customers by 
well, at the very least, at perhaps in the best case, just profiting off of this service by uh, directing people in certain directions with their investments that Goldman Sachs has already invested in or uh, stands to profit from, but more cynically and more creepily, well, perhaps directing world events. Hey guys, you should be you should be investing in this. You should be thinking this way. And what would be their interest in that? Well, as you say, it's certainly not just Obama. It was Obama, but of course it is every president, as evidenced by some of the relateds that I'll throw in um, from the Corbett Report archives that I've talked about this in the past, including from the Trump era. Yes, Trump filled the swamp with government sacks as well. Um, for example, interview 1252, Nomi Prinz exposes government sacks. I have uh, a 2016 Obama-era um, uh, report on government Sachs gets golden wrist slap for global financial crisis. Uh, I also have the 2017 podcast episode number 315 on meet Goldman Sachs, the vampire squid. I also have interview 1249 on uh, Kerry Wedler on how government Sachs won the Trump selection. So yes, again, this is through every single president and it continues on into our current era, as evidenced by this wonderful new think tank agency, whatever they're they're forming. And uh, yeah, if you want to know what's really behind this agenda and where it may be going, you just have to look at the uh, biography of someone like Jared Cohen. Uh, as you mentioned, Jigsaw, Google Jigsaw. What is Jigsaw again? Oh, right. It's their, their moonshot program to basically direct and creepily Orwellian reorient people that they th are, think are committing wrong think. And if people want more information on that, I'll throw a link into a Jigsaw-related um, issue page where they're talking about conspiracy theorists and how they fall down the rabbit hole. And don't worry, we have countermeasures we can take, like the redirect, where uh, which is this Jigsaw uh, idea for if people are searching for conspiracy-related content, we'll serve them this type of content and that will direct them in this direction, etc., etc. So anyway, creepy stuff like that. But also, of course, Cohen having worked for Hillary Clinton, the Hilderbeast, and uh, heavily involved in Ukraine and testifying about Ukraine and what it means for the future of information warfare, etc., etc. So this guy is eyeballs deep in all sorts of the usual deep state agenda type of stuff. So that might give you a flavor of where government sacks may be directing its clients. But in case there's any doubt, of course, just putting your all your money, time, attention, and, uh, and energies in whatever direction government sacks is telling you is probably not a good idea, but it's not like any other banking entity would be any better at this. And um, just to put it on the record and to continue the updates on this particular story, Wall Street on Parade, November 6th, there's a news blackout on the strange doings in the J.P. Morgan Chase Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking case in Manhattan, with the latest being that apparently now a latest entry on the docket for the case shows that a federal marshal is going to be present, has been deployed for a hearing um, as, as people are watching this, November 9th. And they uh, go on to note, needing an armed federal marshal for a hearing involving the largest bank in the United States seems like something that might rouse the curiosity of reporters at expensive media real estate in Manhattan, but shocker, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, crickets. They don't care. Anyway, there's some crazy developments that they go into in that case. Um, there, I'll just put that on the record while we're talking about the banksters and the way they are directing the world towards their evil agenda. There's just more example of it. And it struck me as you were talking, James, that they're going to they're going to be able to profit off of sort of corporate insider information. 
So that's gonna mean that's going to lead to, and of course the lawyer Steens will love it, future lawsuits of you spilled our corporate beans to our corporate competition, and they were able to either come to market with or pull from market some again slave-made widget. Forecasting the future for what uh, 14 years here in the media monarchy and Corbett Report Kingdoms we call New World Next Week. That's our first story on this episode 434. And so their geopolitical economic advice, what other advice might they have, James, to kind of advise corporations and nations of which there is little difference? Get rid of cash. And go ahead and maybe get rid of people too if you can. Germany to tighten immigration rules. That almost sounds like a good news story to the reactionary fake right. Grabbing this from english.news.cn. And again, everything we have always said in 14 years is always included down in your show notes. Berlin plans to tighten its entry rules for immigrants following consultations with the minister presidents of the German federal states. To deter asylum seekers without a prospect of staying, Germany will double the time asylum seekers have to wait until they receive full social benefits to 36 months. Additionally, special payment cards will replace cash to restrict the use of funds for specific purchases, kind of like the WIC program, the welfare program here in the States. Chancellor Olaf Scholz called the agreement with federal states a very historic moment. All levels of government had succeeded in working closely together, he said. To ease the financial burden, Germany is restructuring its financial framework to fund refugees. Sorry about your small business and probably your tap water filled with poison. Instead of a fixed lump sum, the government will pay a single fixed amount per silent applicant from next year. In combination with savings from the reduction in the number of applicants and the reduction in benefits, this is expected to lead to a total financial relief of 3.5 billion euros in 2024, according to the government, which you can always trust. In the fight against increasing illegal migration, Germany introduced intensified identity checks at its border with Poland, the Czech Republic, and Switzerland last month. On the other hand, Germany is facing a massive shortage of skilled workers, making the country's aging population dependent on immigration. According to the Institute for Employment Research, the shortage could reach 7 million workers by 2035 unless sufficient countermeasures were taken. Meanwhile, they don't call it the new town and country order. It is ball earthwide. Japan plans to demonetize its elderly. That's the headline from firstpost.com. Japan is planning to address the growing incidence of monetary scams in the country by taking away bank cards from elderly people. By taking away their cards, the elderly population wouldn't be able to access cash machines and in turn save them from possibly getting scammed. Japan's National Police Agency has called for new measures in the banking industry to safeguard the interests of elderly people as they are the most vulnerable to such fraudulent activities. Won't somebody please think of the elderly? Under its proposal, the National Police Agency has said that anyone above the age of 65 and those who have not used their bank cards for over a year should have them suspended. Japan plans to combat scams by taking elderly people's bank cards away. People are going to panic. Are they really going to panic, James? Um, let's find out. Hey, people, are you going to panic? Uh, yeah, no, not not really panic. I don't think that's quite the right, right word. But as an as a measure designed to combat these scams that are apparently rampant, uh, it seems nonsensical to me. 
Um, because the type of scam that they talk about most frequently with regards to elderly here is somebody calls up and pretends to be your your grandson or your nephew or whatever, and, oh, my God, I need some money. Can you please wire me some money? Okay, oh, okay. And uh, supposedly people of the elderly persuasion fall for this um, quite often. But so what's the difference going to be, really? Instead of using their bank card to initiate some kind of transfer, they'll go to the bank and they'll initiate a transfer manually. And do you think the teller is going to be standing there going, are you sure this is really, an, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't, I just don't see that this is necessarily going to cut down on that type of scam. And of course, I am not a fan of government imposed mandatory, okay, now you can't do this or you must do this or we, we're going to take that away from you because you have reached a certain age. Obviously, I'm not in favor of those types of mandatory restrictions. But I guess if there was a bright spot with regards to this, I mean, I think maybe elderly people should be voluntarily giving up their bank cards because what this does ultimately is ensure uh, the prolongation and the the opening up of um, venues for actual physical transactions. Uh, and the infrastructure for cash transactions will have to remain open because uh, as the options for digital payments go down, well, there has to be a way for people to access their money. They will, they will have to leave those doors open. And I'm, I'm increasingly concerned about that because as we go more and more to bank cards and cashless payments, the physical infrastructure for cash itself starts to disappear as people in England, for example, as I can tell from my recent visit there, are starting to find out the cashless-only signs in stores and stuff. Well, you do not see cashless-only signs in stores in Japan because there is still a physical cash payment infrastructure. And I think more people should be, not just elderly, everyone should be giving up their bank cards and seeing if they can foster that uh, that payment infrastructure that's, that still exists for physical transactions. As for the German story, Travel ban! Yay! Travel ban! Special painted cards! Travel ban! Get rid of cash! Yay! Yay! Digital ID at the borders for everyone! This will never turn against me! What could possibly go wrong? And just in line with what Heinz Kissinger, our dear old friend, is now saying about the German refugee crisis, won't someone do something about this crisis? Well, don't worry, guys! The borders are going up! They're just not the kind of borders that you are thinking. But anyway, the digital ID borders are being erected. Don't worry, this generated crisis that they have brought into existence is going to be solved. You're crying out, won't the government solve this problem for us? Please give us harsher controls, digital ID, track everyone, get rid of cash. Yay! Anyway, if you want to know more about that, PSYOP and how it has effectively taken so many people in, including people who are, yeah, I'm against the Great Reset. I'm just on board with every facet and aspect of it when it comes to this issue. You might want to go to CorbettReport.com slash borders, where boy, do I have a lot to say about this. Those pe all those kids breaking into stores and robbing everything, all those Fuji sneaking in. We need biometrics at the door of every grocery store and department store to make sure that I can get in as a proper good slave citizen that doesn't rob a bunch of slave-made goods like a slave is taught to do. I saw something briefly earlier, James. The EID was something that was passed earlier today. I'll have to do digging to put that on the record. But as you're saying, it goes to all of these structures are being put into place. In the future, you'll need this new piece of paper or new biometric identification to be able to travel around the world or bank or get on the internet.
it's basically use it or lose it. I don't think I told you when I was traveling around and I mentioned about going, flying to West Virginia, the only thing you can really ever have stomach to do in the airport is have a nice giant chalice of beer. And I paid cash, and even the lady gave oh, no one paid cash very much anymore. She couldn't even give me proper change back. Of course, I was going to tip well, as you must do in these situations, but she didn't even have the, the, the change on her to, to pay me back for the big $20 bill that I, that I broke on her. Use it or lose it. So that weird wild card third segment that often pops up here in the Media Monarchy Kingdom. I, sorry, I keep calling it Media Monarchy. It's the New World Next Week Kingdom. It's, it's both of us on this episode 534. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? We are co-monarchs, co-regents. <laughs> what is it with them and the baby's blood, man? New Jersey parents file federal class action lawsuit challenging state's secret retention of newborn blood for 23 years. A group of New Jersey parents teamed up with the Institute for Justice to file a federal lawsuit challenging New Jersey's practice of keeping blood samples taken from newborn babies for 23 years, all without parents' knowledge or consent. Not only does New Jersey hold on to the blood, it can use the blood samples in any manner it chooses. When babies are born in New Jersey, state law requires that blood be taken from the newborns and tested for diseases such as cystic fibrosis, hormonal deficiencies, and other immunity issues. Like VADs, maybe? All other states do perform similar tests, but after the testing is over, New Jersey's Department of Health keeps the leftover blood for 23 years. The state does not ask parents for their consent to keep the baby's blood, failing to even inform parents that it will hold on to the residual blood. The only way parents can learn about such retention is by proactively looking it up on one of the third-party websites listed on the bottom of the card they're given after the blood draw. But none of us is going to read the terms of service. We just click agree. And once the state has the blood, it can use it however it wishes, including selling it to third parties, giving it to the police without a warrant, or even selling it to the Pentagon to create a registry, as previously happened in Texas. Parents have a right to informed consent if the state wants to keep their children's blood for decades and use it for purposes other than screening for diseases, said IJ senior attorney Rob Fromer. New Jersey's policy of storing baby blood and DNA and using that genetic information however it wants is a clear violation of Fourth Amendment rights of all New Jersey parents and their newborns. Although all 50 states, I think there's more than 50, and the District of Columbia require blood screening for newborns, whether a state will destroy leftover newborn blood, return it, or keep it with a form of parental consent varies on a state-by-state -state basis. So, of course, James, I, I wonder about my states that I'm from or living in. I found a 2011 NIH paper online about state-by-state -state blood retention policies. So I'm most interested in looking at West Virginia. That's where I was born. Of course, much longer than 23 years ago. For West Virginia, all I got was 404s and redirects just to the main Secretary of State website. So I emailed the DHHR about it, and we'll all hold our breath for a response. That's pretty much, I imagine, what anybody would have to do. Find your local Department of Health and Human Resources in your state and email them and ask, hey, I've heard about a lawsuit in New Jersey. Hopefully, maybe, I don't know, they can use all this blood and DNA to create race-specific bioweapons, maybe. James? 
Shut up, conspiracy realist. Don't you <laughs> dare know. cite the project for a new American century's rebuilding America's defenses where they talked about making political, uh, bio, race-specific bioweapons a politically useful tool. How dare you read white papers and actually quote from them? Anyway, yes, a horrific, horrific story in every sense. I mean, the blood draw itself is always kind of icky, but no, but what that they use it for... And this should not be surprising. It should not be news to anyone, at the very least in my audience. I've been talking about this since February of 2009. I had an article on announcing the DNA control grid where I talked specifically at that time, the revelations that were then coming out about Texas and its uh, laws that were on the books at that point um, with regards to this. I also followed that up in 2010 with episode 118, Who Owns Your DNA? And here we are 13 years after that episode. I'm sure there's a lot more that can be said about that issue. I have said it at various times throughout the years, but the thing that I appreciate about this particular article that we're linking to here from the Institute for Justice is the fact that this is, it's about a lawsuit challenging this. It also has some updates about things that have happened in that intervening uh, 14 years since I was first writing about this. For example, a 2009 lawsuit in Texas resulted in the state destroying 5.3 million blood samples. And now all blood samples obtained after 2012 must be destroyed after two years. All right, well, progress. A 2014 settlement in the Minnesota lawsuit resulted in 1.1 million blood samples being destroyed. In 2022, Michigan agreed to destroy 3 million blood spots, but the lawsuit continues to move forward. So there is, I mean, at the very least, people are pushing back against this, but only insofar as they are aware that it is even taking place. And as you say, too many people just agree, whatever, okay, who cares? Oh, they're taking some blood. Well, whatever. They just This is just how it works. Well, no, I think it is certainly, for at the very least, for parents. It, uh, it, you, you should know what they're going to do with your children's blood and whether it's being stored and will be used in scientific experiments or who knows what to develop race-specific bioweapons or whatever else they're working on, um, at which the Pentagon, these blood samples have gone to the Pentagon in the past. So... I'm just saying, I, I, at the very least, I, I think this is somewhat hopeful in that people are aware of this and are pushing back against it. Or spirit cooking, maybe they'll use it for James. I've been playing some of the replays of my Morning Monarchy episodes from this day in history in 2016, which was a rather eventful day here in the States. That's when everybody discovered fake news and how Orange Man was bad. But I devoted a bunch of time on the episode on this date in 2016 to this breaking thing of the Podesta leaks and the strangeness that was just starting to spill out. <sighs> but let's not get into that now. That is New World Next Week, episode 534. NewWorldNextWeek.com used to be a static site that just held the YouTube embedded playlists of these episodes. But ever since YouTube kicked us off now several years ago, that wasn't working very well. So we use it as a way to support fear-free and ad-free alternative media. The bundled drives of the Corber Report archives for 2007-2008 should be restocked next week. The 2013 USB Corbett archives should be available next week. And we'll remind you, again, sign up to receive emails for when new products are introduced if you are interested. We are not emailing you all the time. We are barely maybe emailing once a week about new products. Moving forward, though, our goal is to have a new, uh, new Year's archives available by the first of each month. 
might not happen, but roughly at any rate, we should have all available years by the end of summer 2024. And then, James, we can get to work on the New World Next Week archives. You might have already noticed Corbett Report stickers are now on the store. That is the sneak preview, I believe, of the forthcoming logo of the Corbett Report. Uh, oh, and this? Oh, this? This is just my brand new 100% organic Made in America Media Monarchy black hoodie. They are in the house, but they are not on the store yet. We literally just got them in yesterday. We have to get the right packaging to figure out what we can ship them out in. We haven't shot the photos. That'll no doubt and probably include some cats. But again, sign up for the emails at newworldnextweek.com if you want to know when they hit. Things are in limited amounts. We're not some endless warehouse of things, and we're certainly not made in China dropship garbage where something is made when you make the order. We've put a bit of time into trying to source quality products that hopefully walk the talk of what we talk about here in the here in the New World Next Week Kingdom. Yes, the Corbett hoodies are in as well. That doesn't look as good of me kind of holding it up, but again, they are here. They are available. They will have the... See, I told you that's why I folded it up before the show <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, now it's all screwed up and doesn't just... I had it all folded correctly, so I could go, ta-da! It's got the new Corporate Report logo, as you do see on the stickers. All of that's going to be going to the store very soon. But there it is. New World Next Week, episode 543, buddy. Or 534. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? Uh -oh. So that's a lot going on here. We just I, I typed the wrong thing. <laughs> At any rate, <laughs> I appreciate it. Looking forward to doing it again. Thanks. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care.